0: Just to inspire the next generation, especially of um, young girls and, you know, it would be even sweeter for me to see some dwarf girls come up, um, whether it be swimming or not, but finding sports is an incredible thing and it's um, given me a lot in my life and it's it's given me where I am today and I want, you know, if sports is their thing, then enjoy that.
1: Welcome to She Speaks How She Does It. I'm your host, Aliza Freud, and we're excited to bring you a new episode today with an inspiring woman. But first, we would love and appreciate if you're enjoying the podcast to help us get the word out about our guests' inspiring stories. One quick way you can do that is to write a rating and review of the podcast on Apple or wherever you listen to the show. And to thank you for doing that, if you email us a screenshot of your review to podcast at shespeaks.com, we will send you a surprise gift. We can't wait to hear what you think. Now, here we go with today's episode. Welcome to the show today, everyone. I am excited to bring you my conversation today with the very inspiring Sophia Herzog. Sophia is a 2016 Paralympic silver medalist in the SB6 100-meter breaststroke, as well as placing sixth in the 200- Individual medley. Savia was born with a form of dwarfism, which has a one in twenty six thousand chance of occurring. She's a three time national team member, currently training in preparation for the twenty twenty one Paralympic Games in Tokyo, Japan. Lastly, she's a member of the Classroom Champions Mentorship Program for a second year and is heavily involved in the Women's Sports Foundation. I found my conversation with Sophia really to be so inspiring. She's such a young woman, but has accomplished so much and overcome so many hurdles. I can't wait for you to hear the conversation, so we're going to jump right in. Well, welcome to the show, Sophia. Thank you so much for being here with us today.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: So Sophia, you have your, you know, you're, you're young. Tell, tell, tell uh, our listeners how old you are.
0: I'm 23
1: years old. You're 23, and you have accomplished a lot, right? You have you already represented um, the United States in the 2016 Paralympics, and you will hopefully um, now that they've moved the uh, the 2020 um, Olympics uh, that were supposed to happen in Tokyo, they are now happening in 2021. Is that right? Yes. And you are set to represent the United States for that as well. And those are happening in Tokyo. Or are they being? Mo- are they still happening in Tokyo?
0: Yep, everything's the same. Just um, pushed back exactly a year. Okay, so.
1: I think the the thing that um, I am so curious about is, you know, for some for an athlete like you who basically spends such an enormous amount of time training and getting ready and swimming because that is your your sport of choice. Um, what is it like to sort of get being? you know, be in training, have your mind so focused, okay, I'm going to be competing for the U S in 2020. And then suddenly this pandemic happens. What, what is that like, just kind of psychologically to deal with that shift?
0: Yeah, it was, um, it was super crazy, especially in the spring, um, when things started shutting down, um, cause there was a lot of athletes had this big push to, Um, postpone the games and now looking back at it I totally back it but I was like no like this is my last year like I can't like do this another year like we can do this you know it's gonna be okay and then my pool shut down I was like yeah like we we need to postpone this obviously because it was getting to the point of like am I putting myself too much at risk just to train um especially in the spring. So it was, it was good to like, once they postponed it just to be able to step back and, um, essentially put my safety totally first. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it was a weird time because, um, swimming's my full-time job. So Mm -hmm. I was at home with no job, no purpose, like Mm -hmm. nowhere to go since it's the middle of a pandemic. And, it was a very odd time for me for sure. Yeah.
1: Well, it, it, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, certainly, um, you know, a lot of people were feeling that hard time, but you mm-hmm. as an athlete that was supposed to be, um, you know, that was gearing up and how, how, just so, uh, our listeners are clear, how long does somebody prepare so, for, so you're supposed to be in the mm-hmm. summer 2020 Olympics. How far back are you preparing?
0: To like really yeah. training, um, like I would say, you need that full year of just solid, no interruptions, um, really strong. We call them blocks or phases of training, so like sprint, endurance, all that kind of stuff. So, like, a whole year. So, like, right now, I'm building and focusing totally now on this year, and it's it's in that serious time of like, things can't be messing up my training. Um, So a full year um, is crucial in an athlete's. And a
1: year uh, on a daily basis, does that mean like eight hours of training a day? Like a a full-time job? Are you you training eight hours
0: a day? Um, My training ranges from about four to six hours a day. Um, And then I'm expected to recover um, about four hours as well. So I usually take a nap or something in between sessions. Um, So in that aspect, it's the full time job where um, I come home from a training session. I eat a meal and then I go back to sleep and recover for my next training sessions in the later in the day. Wow,
1: so you have to kind of learn to nap during the day, but I'm guessing yeah. you're doing so much physical activity it's early hard. that it probably is not that difficult.
0: <laughs> to yeah, to it's not hard to lay down and fall asleep.
1: That's awesome. So, so you're now back in the throes of it, right? Because you're gearing up for the 2021 date what are you um are you at home during this time are you are you training in your own nearby um pool or are you someplace else
0: yep i'm back home um i've pretty much been home this whole time and um so i've been training at my home pool and stuff um so nothing's changed too much
1: That's great. So you're able to at least be in your own, in your own environment. You're not someplace, because usually, would you be at another facility doing training? Or would you normally, if it weren't the pandemic, would
0: you be? Yeah, I would normally be here. um, If it wasn't the pandemic anyway. Um, But there's been times where um, it's gotten close to shutting down again. So I start I call it chasing pools where I'll, where I'll drive like two hours to go swim at a different rec center and stuff. Um, so as long as like my County doesn't get into the the red level, the pool can stay open. So um, every once in a while for like a week or so, I'll have to go and find another pool every once in a while, but um, predominantly I've been home. Got it.
1: All right. Well, let's take a little bit of a step back. So how did you get in to swimming to begin with? How would the, did this become your your livelihood?
0: Yeah, um, I grew up in a pretty competitive family. Uh, my dad was a long distance runner um, and my mom was a mountain biker. Um, and I was actually wanting to go for skiing, um, but skiing doesn't have any classifications for dwarfism mm. in the Paralympics. And then it was pretty hard on my knees. Um, At a young age, so I switched over to swimming where I showed some potential and I joined my high school team and um, went to my first Paralympic meet in 2010 and Mm -hmm. then um, realized I needed to really step up my training and everything if this was going to be something I wanted to do. Um, so I moved to the Olympic and Paralympic training center in 2014 to train, um, for the 2016 games.
1: So you have been doing this in earnest since 2014. Is that like, is sort of as like, you know, focus, this is what I'm going to do with my life.
0: Um, I would push it back to like 2010, but just a different focus of like, I was training, but I was trying, I crammed. Um, four years of high school into three years of high school, so I could move to the training center so there's been this big push just not in swimming for the whole time to, so be able to swim. Since
1: you're thirteen years old is that yeah right? so you you've been you've been doing this what is What is that like to, uh, most of us do not, right, decide what we're going to do for a living and start working in earnest towards it when we're 13 years old. What is that like to make that decision at such a young age was that you said you you have that competitive, um, sports in your family. So was it sort of a natural thing that you decided to do this? And, um, you said you also, um, you know, you, you have, so you have two parents, you have siblings that also are into sports. I am an only child.
0: Ah, Okay. Another reason why I was able to do this. um, But I think with, um, I grew up in a really small town Mm -hmm. uh, and I didn't have a swim team. So my parents had to drive like an hour and a half one way to get to the, um, team. So there was a big push right at the beginning of like, if you want to do this, like you gotta, you gotta do this. I'm not going to drive you three hours in the day for you to be Mm -hmm. playing with your friends in the pool. So there was that big push initially. Right. Um, and then I, I just kind of progressed and showed potential to make the teams. Um, so is this ongoing upward spiral, we'll call it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that you grew up in a small town, right? A town of like 450 people. So a very small town. Yeah. Um, you were the first child in your school district with a physical disability. Can you tell us what
0: that was like? Yeah, Um at the beginning, I didn't really notice it or anything, um, but it was it was a learning experience for everybody because we would go through the whole school um, and make sure you know I could reach things and um, it was accessible because my school was built like in the eighteen hundreds, so ADA wasn't really a thing back then. Um, so that was that was interesting and a big learning experience. Um, socially wise, um, I definitely struggled through middle and high school for sure. Um, you know, everybody wants to be the same and I was the first odd man out. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And well, and, and in truth, you know, middle school and high school are so difficult already. Right. I mean, I feel like everybody, um, you know, in some way it's, it's struggles in during those years, they are known as really the tough years and to be, you know, to be in a, such a small school, right. Because if your whole town is 450 people,
0: your school. Yeah, like a hundred kids in my high school. Like I think wow. 20 kids in my graduating mm-hmm. class and everybody graduated. Wow.
1: Wow. That's, so that's a really small, so it's a, sort of like a private school almost in terms of the size of uh, yeah. the school. So, what you know in terms of you know, the the kind of the 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 transition to doing um to doing sports in a bigger way right to doing it how did that transition for you work because you were in such a small school you started to show potential right with swimming how did it evolve from there you said it spiraled up but what happened yeah.
0: um it was kind of i mean i was getting into high school and we made the plan with the principal um, and the guidance counselor that I was going to try and do this in three years so I could um, move to the Olympic Training Center and um, I was fitting like 10 classes in one day and a two-hour swim every day so when all that added up like I didn't have time to a even socialize if I was even invited to anything and B, like, feel sorry about it like I was just so regimented and I had this schedule and I think that really helped me. Yeah. Um and I remember mm-hmm. like graduating high school and being at my party and I just was like sitting there just completely exhausted. Mm-hmm. And it was like my party and I would just was like, I just need to like take an hour for a minute.
1: Yeah. Well and and so you do spend so much right right. Now you're training um for for the um for the 2021 um Tokyo Paralympic game and so you've talked about your training schedule that you have eight practices in the water three gym sessions every week how do you you find time to do to have a social life You, you know in terms of what you get to what you get to do outside of your sport
0: yeah I think um so I moved um out of the Olympic and Paralympic training center in 2018, mm-hmm. uh, so I've been essentially on my own for a year now, um, and it was kind of a crazy time because I moved last fall, and then it, um, I live in Colorado, so the winters are really bad here sometimes, so mm-hmm. it's not a huge socializing time, and then the springtime hit, and it was a pandemic, so yet again, not a big socializing time, mm-hmm. um, but I adopted a dog. Um, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, so that's helped me um, get out. I mean, that forced me to get out and um, do things and stuff. Um, But, yeah, it was a very odd time to move. I mean, no one expected this was going to happen. So I'm looking forward to, after all this is done, making some some friends. (laughs) Right.
1: Right. Getting getting to getting to get out there and actually interact with people because, you know, that's been I know such a difficult thing for people, um, you know, who, you know, aren't spending so much time doing um, practice and and um, and training. So if for what just so just uh, because I'm such a dog lover, I need to know what kind of dog you got.
0: Um, I we rescued him, and then um, he looked kind of like a black lab. And we did the DNA test, yep. and he turned out to be forty uh, percent Great Pyrenees, twenty percent Blue Heeler, and then fifteen percent Lab. So he's like a, a fifty pound black bundle of
1: oh, yeah. and and he's part. He's so he's still is he fully grown at fifty pounds? Because Great Pyrenees are like they become yeah.
0: Um, I think so. I, he could gain a little bit more, but I think the healer um, made him a bit smaller.
1: <laughs> that's great. So, so he's not going to be like a. a you know, I know those great painters can be oh, well over a hundred pounds. So you yeah. <laughs> got lucky with with one yeah. that's not that large. So you said we adopted. Are you living? Are you living with anybody um, else? Where you are in Colorado right now?
0: Yep. Um, So I live with my boyfriend. Um, And then I also I train with three other girls. So like, I see I see people and like, I'm interacting with people. It's not just like, you know, me. So I, I have some good interactions throughout the day for sure.
1: That's awesome, and and you know you you know one of the I, I, you are not alone because a lot of dogs and and cats have I know have been adopted since the um, since the pandemic started, and they are great companions. So, yeah. um, so in terms of you know what. You're, what you do because we talked earlier, you're still so young and you've accomplished so much in such a short period of time. What, how do you stay motivated? Because it's you know we talked about the fact that the pandemic put a little bit of a kibosh in your training. Um, <clears throat> you got back into it because you know you're now back in training again for 2021. But how do you how do you stay motivated to continue to do this?
0: Um, I think I will retire actually at the end of Tokyo. Um, so essentially that's another motivation is like the light is at the end of the tunnel for me. And this is like the last big put, um, and a huge motivation is, is that like, I just want to, when I step up on the blocks in Tokyo, I, I want to know, I did everything this year that I possibly could to prepare myself and just leave it all out there um and be proud of whatever kind of swim I am able to put up mm-hmm. for sure so that's the motivation there
1: do you have role models to kind of help influence and inspire you
0: um my coach is a huge one she's um she's been critical in this mm-hmm. for sure. um
1: how long has she been with you
0: th- we've been together for a year so it's Still a fairly new relationship, but. Uh
1: But she's hugely inspirational. That's great. Um, So what, you know, you're a Paralympian. Where do you hope the the Paralympic movement um, could be in the near future?
0: Um, I hope it's um, as popular as the Olympics. Um, I mean, people to this day are like, Oh, you're the girl from the Olympics. And I'm like, Oh, not really. Like I'm from the Paralympics. And you know, then I have to explain it. Um, and that's part of, you know, educating the population. Um, so it would just be really cool. And I don't think it'll be in my era, but for a little girl that has gone to the Paralympics to, you know, be walking down Walmart <laughs> and someone would be like, you're the girl from the Paralympics. And i being like, yeah.
1: That's um, awesome. So you do get, you get recognized when you're out and about.
0: I do. Yep. Um, but people always swap the words for Olympics to Paralympics. So I hope, um, you know, people understand the differences and, um, sure. tune into the Paralympics too, because everybody watches the Olympics and then, um, especially in the U S it's the coverage hasn't been as big. It's getting bigger every, Olympics um, of the Paralympics. So, hopefully, as time goes on, um, it's as big of a hype here in the US when the Paralympics happen.
1: So, can you explain for people what the difference is? Because if they are not familiar,
0: yeah. Um, So, the Paralympics are parallel to the Olympics, it's 10 days after the games, Mm -hmm. Um, same city, same venue. And we are athletes with physical disabilities, so like myself with dwarfism. um, And you'll see athletes that are blind, amputees, um, paralyzed, all of those. Um, And then Special Olympics are for athletes with cognitive um, disabilities. And they're kind of run on their own four-year calendar. They don't follow us um, like the Olympics and Paralympics.
1: Okay, gotcha. So so you're more so the Paralympics is more aligned time wise with the Olympics, and yep. that is distinct from the Special Olympics, which you you've explained. Got it. Well, that is that is good for people to kind of just understand the differences. So usually though, your ti- the timing of the Paralympics just coincides with the Olympic timing, whenever that is in any yep. four years. Yep. Um, do you have daily practices? things that you do, you know, for downtime while you're not focused on swimming and training?
0: Yeah. Um, I think what's really honestly helped me is the dog, mm-hmm. um, cause he's, he's super energetic. Um, so he forces me out and we go on these huge adventures in the afternoon and stuff. And that's really good for me just mentally to mm-hmm. get out of the house and not think about swimming.
1: <clears throat> what is the best advice that you've ever received?
0: Oh, goodness. I've received quite a bit. Um, <laughs> probably just just to keep going. Um, you know, the victory is not always smooth. Um, there's always some kind of hiccups, like mm-hmm. this four years of pandemic. Uh, I had two knee surgeries, so mm-hmm. um, stepping up onto the blocks in Tokyo is going to be that much more sweeter for me.
1: Mm hmm. What you you, through your swimming, you've really shown people around the world that women can accomplish anything. What advice would you give to a woman who is pursuing her dreams?
0: Um, That anything's possible if you put your mind to it, that um, nobody can take away what you want to do. And women are just as equal, if not more equal than men, especially in the sports industry, for sure
1: what do you consider to be your mission or your purpose?
0: Um, I guess in the, the sporting world right now, cause that's what I'm in um, yeah. just to inspire the next generation, especially of um, young girls. And, you know, it would be even sweeter for me to see some dwarf girls come up, um, whether it be swimming or not, but just, mm-hmm. you know, Finding sports is an incredible thing and it's um given me a lot in my life and it's it's given me where I am today and I want, you know, if sports is their thing, them to enjoy that.
1: So you mentioned that you are planning to retire after this Paralympics. What is next for you after swimming?
0: That's the big question. Um <laughs> I am still trying to figure that out. I'm it's kind of this weird thing where I'm in this, like I'm three and a half months from trials, about six months from the games. So it's this total focus on the games Mm -hmm. and trials. And um, then I need to figure out what I'm going to do next, but I don't have time to figure that out right now. So it's kind of, I don't know. It's been, and this is what I've done for my whole life. So I'm at the stage of not, having a ton of other passions mm-hmm. um, and people don't totally get that where like all I've done is swimming. I need to figure out once swimming is done, like what else I like to do. Um, mm-hmm. So I think after the games, it's going to be a huge learning and growing time for me of mm-hmm. figuring out what I want to do, which I'm not quite sure yet what that's going to be.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, and you've got time and I I totally understand that idea to be an athlete at your level. You must have to have so much focus on what you're doing, especially the time you're in right now, in order to kind of just be, you know, able to, to perform at the level that you need to. So it makes sense that you're not thinking, Oh, what am I going to do after this? Because you're still in this. So yeah. that makes a lot of sense, but you are such an inspiration i think there's so much you can do and um, i can't wait to see what you do next if people want to follow you follow your story obviously you're going to have a lot coming up over the course of the next several months how can they how can people
0: do that um i have instagram and twitter and that's just at sophia herzog um and then my facebook page is public as well
1: awesome well sophia thank you so much for spending time with us Best of luck with training and tryouts and, and hopefully um, you'll be standing there accepting another medal. So um, thank, you thank you so you much guys today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to She Speaks How She Does It. We hope that this episode inspired you in your own experience and path towards success. Be sure to like and subscribe to follow our series of conversations. We'd love to hear what you thought of this episode, so join the conversation at She Speaks Up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. You can also join She Speaks at shespeaks.com. Thanks for listening and look forward to our next conversation. Thank you for listening. If you're an influencer or a brand that wants to work with us, please feel free to email us at info at Until next time.